We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Making Money Sense with Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio with us right now. Good morning, Larry. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? I am excited about getting a little snow. I guess maybe Linda returned the snow globe to the desk there. Nope, she took it away. Yeah, we're seeing some Got snow next week. flowers out there now, and the snow globe's in the closet at, at the <laughs> office, and she and it's wanting to come back out again. That's what's going on. Yeah, we're getting some snow this week. but uh, though it- That's what I hear. Well, we coined a new phrase in my office the other day, very technical, technical Wall Street phrase, <laughs> when the snow and hail came through the parking lot the other day. <laughs> it's that? called Springer, or, or no, uh, Springer. Well, ah, I forgot. I forgot the, the term, but it's uh, spring and winter combined. Sp- uh, Springer, sprinter, sprinter. Yeah, something. something like uh, I, oh, I forgot the the term. Oh, anyway, well. but anyway, anyway, it was funny. So yeah, lots of uh, lots of interesting things in the weather, and, and it looks like things are really going well with the economy too. So. They are. Yeah. They, they definitely are. You know, it's um. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. First of all, and welcome to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show here. Uh, speaking of the economy going well, Chris, I just I did a uh, article this past week on CNN Money. You can Google it up there, Larry Rosenthal, CNN Money, and it'll, it'll pop up. And um, uh, the the uh, Paul, the the writer, was was interviewing me and and asking me some things and put some nice quotes in in the in the article for me. And um, uh, you know, all this talk about you know pro growth policies out of Washington and what's going to happen and. And the jobs number that came out the other day, which was very, very nice, as well as the employment participation rate actually went up, which was very good. Uh, you know, trying to get some insight into what the Federal Reserve is going to do. And, and and bottom line here is well, they got to pop interest rates a little bit, don't they? Well, yeah, they're 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 most likely going to. I mean, it's all but baked in here at this particular mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. So the. You know, they were, they were asking, you know, well, what do you think he's going to do with, with Janet Yellen, you know, with President Trump? And I'm like, well, you know, golly, that's that's almost a year away. January of 2018 is when her term is up, you know, and, and my my opinion on it was it's, I think it's going to be a game-time decision to see how the economy is going and, and, and communications and all that kind of stuff. But bottom line here is that for the last eight years, the Federal Reserve has sort of been carrying the ball on the economy, and now we're getting some fiscal uh, changes that are going to enable the Fed basically to sort of more 
normalize their operations and their interest rates. Hence, we're going to see some rate increases to get interest rates back up, but only if they feel that it's appropriate and only if they, they, they really feel that there's going to be some, uh, you know, uh, uh, inflation pressures in the system. And, and you know, to, to a certain degree, with wages going up yesterday in, in the report, average hourly wage increase was up 2.8%, which mm. is a very large jump. Mm. And that, you know, could lead to uh, inflation down the road, especially with all the, the uh, you know, money that's been printed, quote-unquote, over the last several years. So it, It's a long way to get to that 4% number, though, isn't it, where they would normally be normalized? Isn't that about where it is? It is. It's a long way to get there, and that that's the good news about it. The great debate, which is what we're going to hear all the time now, is, well, how much is the Fed going to raise and how often are they going to raise? Because if they raise rates too much too often, then it's going to choke off sort of the oxygen supply to the economy. Think about this, Chris. Let's just put a simple illustration out there. Let's you know, It's March right now, and you decide, hey, you know what? I want to buy a new car, but I don't want my car to last through the summer. I'm going to go get one in the fall. Maybe in October you're going to get a new car, right? Mm-hmm. And today, I, I don't know what the interest rates are, but let's suppose that you can finance a car at 3.5%. And you're shopping around and blah, 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 and you're excited. You know, this fall I'm going to get a new car. And, and then all of a sudden interest rates get to 5%. And your, your $270 a month car payment that you were anticipating to now goes to 350 And so you're going, wow, you know what? I, I might not just buy that car. Maybe I'll just let my car last another couple of years or so. So that's the way that they slow down the inflation pressures in the system by raising interest rates. It makes acquiring uh, capital, basically, a little bit harder, a little bit tighter, you know, as far as all that goes. That's that's one of their biggest tools and easiest tools well, to do. Well, doesn't it slow a lot of the, uh, like the car manufacturers, those who want to buy cars, doesn't that slow their sales process down quite a bit as well? Slows everything down. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of it. You know, yeah. the Fed has has three mandates. Two of them are, are their major ones, which is is maximum employment and price stability. And so when you look at both of those scenarios there, they both fight against each other. Maximum employment means people are out there, uh, working, wages are going up, the economy is expanding, people are spending more and more money, hence prices go up, inflation. So the, the other mandate is to have price stability. So the Fed then is going to go ahead and say, wait a minute, time out. Gotcha. We're going to raise interest rates so it slows down big capital purchases or acquisition of money, you could say. And so that's what um, uh, one of their biggest tools. And they need to get rates up. Because at some point down the road, whether it's two years, four years, eight years, whatever it may be, the economy will naturally slow down and go into a recession. That's what it does. So they're going to need to drop rates to stimulate it. Yeah, they, they, they wouldn't have a tool, in other words, in order to balance that out if they kept things too low for too long. Well, they, they have many, many tools, but that's the easiest one to exercise. And that tool, you know, that tool has been in rehab for several years. <laughs> yes, so, yeah. So, so you know, and another thing, too, that, that you could take a look at the 10-year Treasury, which really takes a look at, at, at uh, anticipation of business activities in the economy, and it popped up uh, almost 10 basis points this week. It went from 2.49% up to 2.58%, which doesn't sound big, but it is kind of a big move. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's pretty much all but b- baked in that they're going to be doing it. You know, the, and the job report came out the other day with 235,000 new non-farm payroll jobs uh, and and with some revisions of prior months and the the uh, uh, estimate was only about 190,000 so so nice. it, it blew it out of the water yep exactly. your indicators are all green across the board right now aren't they 
just about all of them. A couple of them are yellow, but you know, yeah. it's never perfect. So, but but uh, yeah. Bottom line, Chris, you know, when you take a look at all this, the, the to answer your question, the Fed, the the economy is percolating along. The markets are anticipating. Remember, the market is a is a is a leading economic indicator. You have three types of indicators. You have leading indicators. You have coincident leading uh, coincident indicators, and then you have um, uh, past indicators or whatever they call them, past ones. So, so uh, a a leading indicator is something that looks down the road and says, "Hey, this is what we're anticipating." And the market is a leading economic indicator, and so you can just see the action in the market. Now, the market has taken a little bit of a breath here the last several days, and and as it should, and that is in anticipation of not only the the uh, what the Fed's going to do with their interest rate decision, but the words around it, the language around it. That's what's that's what's going to be really important. Is what is the Fed going to say? You know, they're, they're either going to lower rates, which I doubt it, keep them the same, which I doubt it, and probably raise the rates. Then they're going to put out language as to why and what they're seeing. That's what everybody's wanting to get their, their, their hands well, on. It's right interesting, now. too, because the market's been percolating up and percolating up. I would think that some people would be taking some profits along here at some point, too, wouldn't they? Well, you know, it, it's like we're getting a new a new business cycle almost in, in the um, – in the middle of a current business cycle because we're having monetary and fiscal policy sort of swap positions a little bit being more accommodative to each from one another Hmm. that's what's very interesting about this right now you know from an academic standpoint i don't want to get into all this people are going to turn off the radio show and get (laughs) bored to death with this with this kind of talk Anyway, things look okay. So good. how's that sound? That's Chris? good. I like that. <laughs> there you <laughs> That's go. A good answer. You know, we always like to do a little bit about the markets and the economy in the first few minutes of the show, and and um, uh, you know, you can get a little carried away sometimes talking about this with all the charts and graphs and numbers and 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 everything. So I don't want to do that, and don't want to turn this into an econ- economic lesson. We're here to teach people biblically based financial planning principles. Hey, let's uh, open up the phone lines and have people give us a ring this morning. You can go ahead and give me a call here, Larry Rosenthal. I'm live in the studio. Give me a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123 or 855-767-3123. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Hi, this is Norm Allen, inviting you to join me every week or every day on the Out of the Norm Show on American Lifestyle Media. It's stories about people, places, things, and events from all across America. Plus, there's great programming such as Freedom of Thought with Political Viewpoints. There's Expedition Texas, sports, and music programs to fit every family interest. We're growing right now, and we want to invite you to join us by going to watch.americanlifestylemedia.com on any device or subscribe on your Roku channel store. And right now, for a limited time, it's only 99 cents per month. So simply go to watch.americanlifestylemedia.com. 
and American Lifestyle Media on your Roku channel store. American Lifestyle Media. We're caretakers of the American spirit. You are listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, making money sense. If you'd like to dial in and talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio, let me give you a number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio today. Larry. Well, Chris, it's no wonder the Lord talked about money over 2,300 times in the Bible. There's so many different things, so many different little tiny things to learn about money, and you focus on it. and and all this kind of stuff. And that brings me to something that's kind of confusing to people. I want to take the confusion away from, and that's about Social Security. Oh, really? Yeah. I want to see you take the confusion away from this. This is There you go. There you go. (laughs) That's a challenge. (laughs) You know, if if, if you're looking at at the puzzle, the connectivity of Social Security and all the parts and how it's funded and – and and when you can get it and how to claim your benefits and the taxes involved with it and, and just everything, there's one little piece that, that people often misunderstand and they don't know how to uh, go about, uh, well, they just don't know how to put this into their financial planning. And, and so it's a very confusing point on Social Security. First of all, when you reach full retirement age, depending on what year you were born, your full retirement age is either 65 or it's 66 or it's 66 in one month, 66 in two months, 66 in three months, all the way up to 67 in some months, right? Right, right. Okay, so so if you're, let's suppose your normal retirement age is age 66. So if you decide to retire earlier, let's say it's 63. And so now you're under your full retirement age, however... You want to collect your Social Security, but you still want to work, right? Mm-hmm. So most people know that, well, if I am below my normal retirement age and I'm still working and I want to collect Social Security, that there's a limit to how much I can make before I have to start paying right. back Social Security. And in 2017, but this isn't the confusing part yet, okay? <laughs> But in 2017, that limit is $16,920 or $1410 a month. So here it is. Let's suppose you, you take Social Security and let's suppose you're getting, I don't know, $1,800 a month. You're 63 years old. Your normal retirement age is 66. And you decide that you want to work part-time somewhere and you're making $25,000. So for – you're going to uh, – your benefits are going to be reduced $1 for every $2 over the limit that you earn. Hmm. <clears throat> so you got to start paying some of this back. But now this is the confusing part, that people do not understand this, okay? If you are going to take Social Security and not work, and you're under your normal retirement age, but you've worked part of the way through the year. So here it is. Let's suppose your normal retirement age is 66 you're 63, and you say, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I want to retire. Mm-hmm. But you're you're regularly making, let's say, $100,000 a year, okay? And you want to retire, let's say, in June, at the end of June. So you've made $50,000, right? Mm-hmm. But now you're in the middle of the year, and you're under your normal retirement age, but the 50000 has already exceeded the 16920 you're allowed to make. 
What happens? I don't know. It's very confusing, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I would imagine you're still going to have to, they'll, they'll give you some money and you'll have to pay it back. I'm no, not at all. In your, This is what people don't know. In your first year of collecting, okay, in your first year of collecting, when you're under your normal retirement age, your earnings in this example here, the 50000 that you earned from January through June, mm-hmm. is wiped out. Really? It does not count. But many people think they have to wait until the following calendar year oh, before my. they claim Social Security, and they're leaving money on the table. Oh, that's a big hint right there. That's a- yes, yes, yes. They're leaving money on the table. And so people – I, I, I uh, was explaining this to a client um, uh, within the last couple of weeks about this, and they were just like, wow, had no idea. I said, yes, this is the way it works. And then they went on to say, well, we might do a little bit of work anyway. <laughs> and I said, okay, well, then here's the next stage of this. Okay, here's the next stage. On a monthly basis, you just can't average more than fourteen ten per month. That's the way they look at it. So Until you so, reach your full retirement age. Then you right. Can, yeah. So bottom line here is that people are leaving money on the table in their first year of retirement by not claiming the Social Security right away if that is the scenario there. And then, and then you can get into different debates on when you should take it and why you shouldn't and why you should and all that kind of stuff. But you put this into a financial plan, and, and it shows, and, you know, wow, you mean I could have had an extra ten grand? Yep, you could have, you know, that or whatever the number ends up being. So, again, lots of little tiny confusing points along the road to getting Social Security, knowing when to claim it, knowing how to claim it, and knowing how to maximize the wealth of Social Security for you and your family. Okay, and and uh, people just don't understand how how to go about doing it, and, and obviously so it's very confusing, you know. And it's not like you've been driving around for twenty years in the workplace studying Social Security. That's the last <laughs> thing people want to read about, right? right? Right. So, but bottom line, you know, hey, if you have questions on Social Security, if you need to understand it, if if you want to get some of this literature, go ahead and give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five. Seven six seven three one two three. We're getting ready to launch a new website, Chris. We're going to have a mobile-ready website, which is kind of exciting. It's going to come up uh, probably in the next handful of weeks. We're in the final editing stages of it. Boy, there's a lot involved with all of that, but uh, lo- lo- it's going to be uh, pretty interesting. It's going to be you know a whole new look, lots of fun. So go to my website now, and you can see our latest newsletters and articles out there. LarryRosenthal.com. Also want to talk about you know sizing up savings opportunities too. This is this is something that that has bothered me for a long, long time, and and uh, uh, it it sort of le- leads to the backbone of um, uh, you know the American workforce, which is small business. You know, small business creates the most jobs each year, and and it's also the hardest place for 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 benefits. Um, uh, so, uh, <clears throat> sizing up savings opportunities, you know, we have, we have people with, with different size businesses in there. We have people with over 500 employees, people with 100 to, to 499 employees, you know, and, and so forth and so forth all the way down. And, and what's, what's unfortunate about this is the smaller the, the businesses that you work at, 
there's a less 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 chance that you have savings opportunity. For example, there was this is by Pew Charitable Trust in 2016, the latest the latest data, and it shows that that in that in businesses that have under 10 employees, only 22% of those businesses out there actually have an opportunity for their employees to save money through a retirement plan. And a lot of people that are in those scenarios there don't realize that, that they can do it themselves by simply opening up IRAs. So we're going to talk a little bit more about this on the next segment. Go ahead and give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise? Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees. For about the cost of a new suit, you can change an orphan's future for a whole year. We pay for the school fees, and that averages around $500 to $550 a year total. That means food, lodging, the teaching, the education part, the the uniform, that whole thing. Call now, 703-201-2494. Or go to starschildrenafrica.org. For a dollar and a half a day, one child would be educated for that year in high school. 703-201-2494. Call right now. For $500 a year, you can change an orphan's life. 703-201-2494. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. If you'd like to dial in, we have a couple of lights available for you. Hang in there. We'll get right to you. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure. Let's welcome Michelle on the line. Good morning, Michelle. How are you today? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How um, can I help my you? My husband and I were um, talking last night. We are uh, 53. I'm 53, and he's 54. And, you know, retirement's not uh, super near, but it's not super far away either. And we have a um, home equity line of credit that um, is an arm, and uh, it has about $85,000 in it from what I understand. He takes care of the bills, but, you know, we were kind of hashing out what we were going to, how we were going to do, because anticipating a a raise in interest rates. And uh, we also have two children in college, so uh, one is just starting in the fall, so we're going to have some uh, hefty expenses next year. My question is, we have the money in um, a Vanguard account that is liquid enough. We could just pay off that home equity line of credit. We have about um, $12,000 between the two of us, about standing credit card debt that we wanted to get rid of. And um, we're trying to decide, is it smarter to take that money out, which takes away all of our emergency funds? And the youngest one who's going to college has um, a disease that is going to um, going to present some medical bills, um, some pretty hefty ones um, on occasions, and um, so we're we're trying to decide what the smartest move is. Do we risk taking out all of our funds, knowing that we can uh, replenish about fifteen thousand a year for emergency funds and pay off 
that loan, or do we get another thirty thousand dollars, which is going to put us just over a thirty a thirty year uh, uh, mortgage and roll it into it, which is going to just put us right over in the jumbo um, range, and we were hoping not to do that as we are nearing retirement in, you know, the next few years. So I was just looking for some direction as to what would be the smartest way to handle that. Michelle, that's a great question. You threw a lot at me here. I was uh, uh, So at the end of the day, one of the things that I'm, I'm afraid of is you becoming house rich and cash poor, especially with a, a special okay. needs child entering college, Okay. Um, so that's the first caution that I would show up to this example. And <clears throat> the math on, from what I gleaned of the conversation here, the math on this equation is basically this. It's what could the rate increase do to your monthly payment? Let's suppose it pushes up your monthly payment by $100 just to do as an example. Nobody's happy about that, right? But you still have 80 thousand dollars in your Vanguard accounts growing for you at compound interest. How much does that need to grow to make up the extra monthly cost? And now you're still going to be able to have all that cash for your emergencies in college. Do you see what I mean? That's the yeah. that's the math that you have to look at. But I would like to put all this stuff into um, uh, our financial toolkit for you, which will help you build a, a financial plan, because there's more questions that I have for you on this, Michelle, which is, do you want to stay in this house? How long do you want to stay in this house? Do you want this home to be a retirement home? And with interest rates rising, what's wrong with locking in a new fixed interest rate right now? It's going to take the worry away because we don't know how long this business cycle is going to last where rates continue to rise. We might we might end up getting 3 or 4% rate increases, and if you're on an arm you know, over the next four or five years, just as an example – you know that could have a, a big effect on this whole equation as well. So I would I would like to lay okay. everything out for you and take a good look at it and show you three or four different avenues on on what to do. If you like, I'll be happy to have one of our advisors reach out to you next week, um, and and send you out some information on this because this is a very common scenario here, uh, which you know which is almost a hand to glove fit your first statement, which is well you know retirement's a little far away but not too far away. It's kind of you know the 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 uh, you know the finish line's getting a lot bigger in the window as we're driving towards it, right? So, right. So, uh, yep, exactly. But so, I'm getting tired. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Let me put you on hold, Michelle. And we'll have somebody reach out to you next week and, and crunch the numbers in a more detailed way for you than we can here on the air. Okay. Thank you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let me put you on hold. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's shoot on over to Clinton, Maryland, and welcome Constance on the line. Good morning, Constance. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Okay, I have a question. I uh, just want to clarify, make sure I understand what you uh, just said about Social Security. Uh, if I retired last August and I wanted to collect, uh, at, I retired last August at age 62, and I wanted to collect uh, Social Security until I'm 66 and go back to work, will I have, will, am I able to do that without penalty? Yes, you're if you're especially if you're not working. Yeah, if you're not working, Constance, and you're 62, you can you can go collect your Social Security and have no penalties at all. It's just if you decide 
to go back. At 62, uh, under 66, which is your normal retirement age, you said, okay. if you decide to go back and work and still collect Social Security, You're then the maximum – Yep, then the maximum earnings that you can have in in 2017 is $16,920. So you could oh, actually okay. go go to work now at 62, collect your social security and make $16,919 and not have to pay anything back. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We're talking about Social Security, when to claim it, how to claim it, how you should actually put it into your financial plan. And we're also discussing here this morning so far a little bit about how when you don't have employer benefits that enable you to save in a retirement plan, you can actually do it yourself. You can actually do it through your employer if he or she is it will allow you to do it. DIY. I love that. <laughs> yep, there you go. You can just basically say, you know, you can go in and ask your employer. Let, let me set the stage again here. You know, when, when, when you take a look at, at the number of companies out there in the country, small business, people with less than 500 employees really make up the majority of the workforce. And then you go all the way down to people with less than 10 employees. Only 22% of those firms have access for their employees to a retirement plan. People with with employees of, of 10 to 49, only 37% of them have access to a retirement plan. So my point is that even if you work in a small business and you don't have access to an employer, to a retirement plan, you can do it yourself by contributing to your own IRAs, or you can even ask your employer through their payroll system to pull money out of your check and send it to an IRA. Therefore, it's working for you out of your paycheck, just like a normal uh, retirement plan would. So, so lots of ways that you can go about doing this because, you know, you've got to think, just like our last caller said, you know, they're in their early to mid-50s, and, and retirement's not too close, but it's also not too far away. So we want to make sure that we're saving, and especially with, with places that we don't have access to uh, some type of a retirement plan as well. So let's shoot on over and welcome Cindy on the line in Alexandria. Good morning, Cindy. How can I help you today? Hi, Larry. Thank you for your show. Sure. Um, I am recently divorced. Um, I don't have retirement um, in the settlement. I have a house. Um with about, a, um, I just sold, have the contract on it, and I will probably net about 450 off the house. Um, we're going to have to move south in order to afford to live, and I'll be supported for another six years with a $200,000 settlement um, added to the house. Um, I have been told that it's better to rent than to buy. Um, I would like to, um, I'm 60 years old. Um, I would like to be in a position where I don't have a mortgage, so I don't have to worry about paying rent or mortgage. But at the same time, I'm being told that it might be better to take that money and invest it um, and live off the uh, – and be able to have something invested for retirement. Cindy, this is a great this- – yeah, this is this is a very interesting scenario here. I'm seeing more and more of this all the time where people are, are getting into their quote-unquote retirement home and they're renting it. And one of the reasons why is because you could end up having your home, in this case, paid for 
all right, but you're still going to have to make payments on that retirement home through taxes and insurance, right? Mm-hmm. So right. you'll so, but now you've got a lot of your wealth wrapped up inside wood, bricks, mortar, and steel. So essentially, what you, what this person's probably telling you is, hey, look, I don't want you to end up being house rich and cash poor, but okay. rather take a look at what if if you were to buy this next house, let's say you bought it for cash, and it's worth four hundred thousand dollars. Now you don't have a lot of savings money, and your your income is finite for just a period of five years, I believe you said. Yeah, and, six And years. then so at the end of the day, what we have to do is we have to lay out a plan that's going to enable you to feel secure, comfortable in your housing and make sure that you have enough income coming in to support your lifestyle as well as savings. That's the that's Those are the two avenues that you sort of have to go down the the road in, in in looking at the math behind all of this. Example one, you you get the home, it's worth four hundred thousand, it's paid for, but let's suppose your your property tax, just so I can do math easy here, is a thousand dollars a month. Property tax plus um <clears throat> insurance, okay? okay? Kind of expensive. But now we know your 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 in order to maintain ownership on that home that's paid for, you've got a thousand dollars a month going out. But you've used $400,000 in order to do that. On the other hand, if you were to go rent a home, and let's suppose the payment with the rent was $1,000 a month, now you've got $400,000 in cash in the bank, plus you're still making the same outlay each month. That's the math equation that we have to look at. Does that make sense? Yeah. Then we have to take on – then the next part of it, part B – is we have to put on top of that scenario your alimony income that you're going to receive over the next five years and what's your ability to save out of that. So you're going to get $200,000 a year for five years. So you're going to get a million dollars, right? Let's suppose over the no, next... No, uh, it's, it's 20000 The settlement is um, it's $200,000 over the next 10 years, so I'd get $20,000 a year okay. plus alimony. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. hard for me to do the math on the radio like that, but sure. <laughs> sure. I understand. So so then the question is, how much of this money can you save, right, in order to, to build this up? Because if we end up having a house that's paid for in retirement, you still have the taxes and insurance, and then how much liquid cash do you have? to live off of, to go on vacations and to buy Christmas presents and things like that. So so I see a lot of this now happening, and there is a trend towards renting, but we have to sit down and do the math. You know, suppose you said, well, hey, Larry, I want to move to somewhere in Tennessee, and this house I want is, is $200,000. Now I can have that house paid for and still have $200,000 left over. That's a whole different scenario, Right. Versus living oh, in maybe downtown, you know, Roslyn or something like that, right outside of D.C., where a house is going to eat up all your cash. So those yeah. are the types of conversations that we really need to engage in in order to see what's best for your scenario. Because at the end of the day, I've seen people where they are house rich and cash poor. They can't go do anything in retirement, but they have this home. And eventually the right. home outcosts them anyway because taxes and insurance do go up over time. Okay. Okay. That's yep. So very Cindy, helpful. Yep, Cindy, if you like, I'll be happy to put you on hold, and we'll have someone reach out to you next week and uh, talk to you about this and, and further the discussion for you. But I'm very familiar with 
this trend and, and what's what's been going on, I can help you uh, step through the math on that. I've got some sheets that I can uh, follow okay. through for you. Okay. Thank you. I love your show, and thank you so much. I appreciate it, Cindy. Let me put you on hold. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Uh, give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Nick on the line. Good morning, Nick. How are you today? Good morning, Larry. I'm awesome. How about you? I'm wonderful, sir. How can I help you? All right. This is a scenario. I can see if I can uh, paint it out really quick. Um, I own a condo. Been in it for uh, probably around 18, 19 years. Um Right now, currently, the mortgage is probably around sixty, seventy thousand. I have a second, I have a line of credit around twenty thousand, um, and both of them, uh, the first mortgage, um, it's an arm and flexible rate on the home equity line. I guess the question is, and the home equity line is coming due in, I believe, September of this year. I'm trying to find the best scenario if I should extend it or if I should. Um, wrap it into a one-time or, you know, uh, refinance to one loan? Well, in a rising interest rate environment, Nick, my default answer is to wrap it into a, a one-time fixed loan. We don't know how, how – we don't know what your, your income scenario is going to be over the next five years, and we don't know how high rates are going to go, okay? So, right. so if we can make the math work now, it's better to do it now versus because we are in a rate rising cycle and we haven't been in one in eight years and 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 you'll see these rates start to go up and you don't want to get now, priced priced out down the road gotcha okay that's awesome uh follow up i have a retirement account that essentially if i liquidated that i could essentially pay off a good portion probably around 90 percent of that mortgage wow. I thought about it. I've been entertaining it, but yeah, I haven't done the uh, further research if that's a wise financial decision for the long term. Nick, how old are you? I'm 47. Right now, without seeing everything laying in front of me, I would say no, don't do that because there's a chance that you're not going to stay in this home forever. And by gotcha. pay, by pulling out your retirement dollars um, to to put into a house today – you're going to lose the compounding interest effect of those retirement dollars. Now, people right. will argue, well, wait, Larry, real estate goes up. That's true. But real estate goes up or down whether it's mortgaged or not, right? Right. So right. I would caution to do that. Plus, it's going to cost you taxes. Your hurdle rate, when you go to pull money out of your retirement plan, you've got to pay income taxes on it. So you're going to be behind 25 30% already on it. So right. I would not do that at all. But if you like, I'll, I'll have uh, one of our mortgage specialists give you a ring next week, Nick, and he can uh, crunch some numbers for you over the phone real quick and show you which way is the best thing to go. And, there, and, and what's what's neat about this scenario here is that there's so many different types of loan products out there that people aren't aware of. People people just think, okay, well, this is what I got to go do. But no, I've seen I've seen uh, there's trust me, there's a lot of different loan products that may be better for you in your scenario versus your time how long you think you're going to be in the home and stuff like that. So that, that's, that is great because one of my concerns was that um, being 47, you know, looking at the retirement, so I really want to extend the mortgage beyond the retirement date and knowing that where I live, um, one of the fastest growing areas within the United States, 
I've yet to see the value of where I live actually go down, you know, to, as to where I bought it. I was ex, uh, essentially the first owner, second owner in. When and did so, you buy your oh, house? Oh, gosh, um, 19, 19 years ago. Okay. Well, it, it, it went down in the financial crisis of 08, but maybe not to the level that you originally purchased it at. No, exactly right. You're spot right. on. It did. Right. So, and so it'll, cycle up, it'll cycle up and down, but the one thing that we have to really pay attention to here is your uh, your HELOC loan that's adjustable, it sounds like. We want to lock yes. something in like that now because we are in this rate rising cycle. Nick, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you on hold here. i got a break for a commercial. I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll have our mortgage person give you a ring next week, okay? Awesome. Thank you, Larry. Absolutely. God bless. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, and we will be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Remember those kids that you keep your kids away from? Those kids that society doesn't seem to know what to do with? That kid you saw on the street corner last week? Remember that kid that, well, you feel sorry for? The dropout, the pregnant teen, the drug addict. Those are the kids that Youth for Tomorrow wants to reach. And Youth for Tomorrow has reached nearly 800 children since opening its doors in 1986. That's 800 young men and women helped to become responsible and effective members of society. The founder and chairman of Youth for Tomorrow, former Washington Redskins coach and current NASCAR team owner Joe Gibbs, says if we don't do what we can to influence our young people, there are plenty of others who will in the wrong direction. For more information about Youth for Tomorrow, call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You can help turn a negative into a positive. Call 703-368-7995 or go to youthfortomorrow.org. You're listening to the Larry Rosenthal Show, making money sense. If you'd like to dial in, we have some lines available for you to talk to our financial and retirement expert here in studio. Phone number is 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Just a quick follow-up question to one of the Social Security questions that came in, Larry. I was asking, uh, I wanted to ask you what the actual retirement age is because you keep saying it's different for other people. Is that true? Everybody it has is. A, it depends. How does that a, work? There's a chart. It depends on when you're you're you were born. Um, some people their full retirement age is 65. Some people at 66. Some people at 67. Just depends on when you were born. I can uh, pull I up see. the chart. Just Google up the chart here when I. Uh, uh, Essentially, it's around that 65 mark. Just within a year or so of that. Yeah, Based yours is 67, born. though, I'll tell you that. Okay. 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 I can't retire until I'm 80. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Hey, you know, also, you know, one of the things, too, that we need to keep in mind 
is is you know we're on this show we're talking about money we're talking about it all the time and financial planning techniques and things of of that nature and we need to remember props prop props we need to remember proverbs 16:9 the mind of a man plans his way but the lord directs his steps and stop and think about just the discussion we've been having today about you know saving money about how to manage our 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 home our cash flow all of this kind of stuff you know we need to pray it up to the lord and give it to him as well cuz he owns it and we need to do it all to his glory as well so proverbs 16:9 the mind of man plans his way but the lord just directs his steps stop and think about how that functions and 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 focus on that in your financial planning life as well so Amen to that. important um you know we're talking a little bit uh kind of all over uh the the place today in different subjects which i love i i, I really like that when I was coming in the studio this morning, I was thinking to myself, you know, well, what are some of the things that – because I wanted to talk about this Social Security thing earlier that, that people just don't understand, and they often leave money on the table. So I, I, I sort of jotted down some notes on five mistakes you want to avoid and don't think about. So think about what you don't think about, Chris, okay? <laughs> okay. So so what are five mistakes? You know, and, and just in the whole encyclopedia of financial planning and wealth management – you know, you boil this down into three phases of financial planning, the accumulation phase, the distribution phase, and then the legacy phase when you're passing your assets on to heirs and charities. So throughout this whole thing, what are five mistakes that people want to avoid and they never think about? And one of the mistakes is how to change your growth investments to growth and in income. So if, uh, again... You're in the accumulation stage. You're saving. You're growing. You're saving. You're growing your money, right? All this stuff. But at some point, you need to move into the distribution stage. So then how do you change your growth investments over to your growth and income design investments at that particular point, right? So it's important to understand why you're saving your money. You need to have an eye on the distribution as well. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. Let me pick up these callers here, Chris. Let's uh, welcome Ray on the line. Good morning, Ray. How are you today? Oh, how you doing, uh, Larry? Just want to say I've been a consistent hearer of your program. Just want to say thank you so much for all the information you have given. Uh, this is a quick question. I'm not that verbal, but um, my question is: I am a federal employee. I'm 57, and I'm looking to retire at 60. But I understood from my understanding was that I'm not supposed to get Social Security. And my question is, do you know why I'm not able to get Social Security? Well, are you civil service or federal employee, Ray? Uh, civil service. Yeah, civil service are not eligible for. So when did you start with the government? Did you start before 1982? Uh, 1980. Uh, started in 1980, and there was a break in service. And I was brought back on. So because of that break, it pushed me over to offset. Okay, so then you will get some Social Security. You're what's called a FERS offset. You will be eligible for Social Security. Okay. I, I was. So back. one of the things that you can do, Ray, is you can go on to the Social Security website, which is socialsecurity.gov, and put your information in, and it will pull up your benefit there. Then take that to OPM and show them 
uh, what what the scenario is. But as an offset, you will get some Social Security. Okay. I just thought I didn't. Okay. That's good to know. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Just Would you like me to have someone uh, try to give you some help with that? Repeat that. Would you like someone? Would you like for someone? Would you like for me to have someone try to give you some assistance with, with yes. doing that? Not yes. a problem, Ray. Let me put you on hold, and we'll have someone reach out to you next week. Okay. All right. Appreciate the phone call. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring here, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Let's shoot on over to the district and welcome. Uh, is this, what's your, Terrific? Is that your name? Hey, Larry, how you doing, man? Good morning. I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir? Happy Saturday, man. Look, just imagine you got SSI disability and the regular Social Security coming in. And you want to know how many hours you can work without getting it taken back coming from, like getting getting it snatched away from, like dollar from dollar, two dollars from one dollar, like you said. How old are you? Right now, 36 and growing. Trying to make it to 109 years old, 115 one day. <laughs> there you go. So here's the deal on that. You're going to have to look at it from a different perspective. If you're on Social Security disability and then you start to show wages, you may lose all of that, okay? Yeah, so how could you keep a steady flow, keep education, filling in the gaps so you don't look goofy out in the workplace and not bringing in enough income, and you don't want to really buy a house, you said, you want to probably rent, so you don't want to be um, messing with the back and forth on things, like owning taxes on the houses and the water bills coming in. So here's so here's the story on that. We we need to get with uh, a, a, an attorney who understands all those rules there because I, I, I this is just a little bit far out of my um, brain box on the specific rules and income limits in this situation. Okay, um, but I can get this information for you. But the bottom line here is that if you are receiving the disability. It's because they've deemed you not able to work, and if you start showing income, then you may lose that. So, so we you have to sort of navigate those waters there. Does that make sense? Perfectly, perfect sense. You're perfect, Larry. I have to tell you first. Okay, I will go ahead and and uh, let me put you on hold, terrific, and then I will uh, have uh, actually we'll have a state attorney give you a ring next week. Okay. All right, sounds good. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to making money sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Go visit my website, LarryRosenthal.com, for our latest newsletters and articles and things up there. Again, we're going to be uh, sort of changing the makeup of it in the next few weeks. Looking forward to that. Uh, so uh, we just have a few minutes. Chris, what's the clock say there? We have uh, four minutes left. Four and a half. Okay, well, I can stay in studio. We've still got some callers calling in. I can stay in studio. Let's take a quick break. Actually, I don't want to take a break. You want to take not. a break? No, let's okay. not do that. Right, I want man. to finish Jump up right this section there. here let's on, on um, <laughs> five things to avoid. We're not going to get through it all, but but one of the one of the things that people do not think about is how to change your investments from the growth orientation to the growth and income orientation that one needs once they retire and start to have to withdraw money back to themselves, you know, and and several different avenues, several big talking points on this, but sort of stop to think and ask yourself now, the investments you have now, yes, they might be growing well for the growth stage of your life. I'm talking to people before retirement right now. 
but do you have an eye on how you're going to have to position them for the income stage of your life? That's one of the things that people don't understand. They try and make these growth investments produce income. And guess what happens? You end up selling off shares instead of having the investments give you yield or interest or dividends. And by selling off the shares, it could put you at risk in down markets to running out of money and eating into principal. And so when you sit down with your financial advisor, this is one of the things that we look at for our clients that are pre-retired as to how's this income going to turn around one day in a handful of years. And a handful of years in this, you know, in, in financial planning is, is five to eight years down the road. It's not that far. So we're talking to people in their 50s, mid-50s, that type of thing. How are you going to position your investments so that they deliver the income that you need from a reliable source and then, again, in the most tax-efficient manner? So um, big, big question there, and this is a big blind spot that people overlook. Uh, let's let's uh, welcome Lynn on the line. Good morning, Lynn. How are you today? Lynn, are you there? Hello. Yes. yes Hi, Lynn. How can well. I help Thank you? you? Can you hear me? I can. How can I help you? Okay, um, I was um, I purchased a house uh, with my sister back in 1990, and we were to share in a half the mortgage. Um, in 2006, she uh, got laid off and wasn't able to pay the, her share, so I've been paying both shares um, since then. Um, at this point, I'm 67 years old. I just got a notice from Wells Fargo saying that the payoff uh, amount for the house is due next year. And it's about $119,000. And I don't have that. And I had been thinking about eventually selling the house, um, but I just needed to do some, some work in it. And I'm just wondering um, two things. Is it better to go ahead and sell it at this point or refinance it? Or And the other thing is what? Um, how do I split the difference or is there any difference that I would split with my sister at this point? Well, I think you need to, to talk to your sister first if you do sell the home and make an arrangement mm-hmm. on who's going to get what. Yeah. And and that's just how you and your sister are going to have to divide that out. Okay. okay. Um, uh, but then as far I'm, as this loan goes, you need to really take a look at can you refi- refinance and stay in the property or is this loan payment that's going to come due sounds like you have a balloon loan that it could force you to sell out so mm-hmm. lynn at this stage what i can do is is two things i'll have our mortgage person give you a ring next week and then i want you to sit down with your sister and discuss these options that you both have and you two work out your financial arrangements on what's fair and equal for you for you both to to sort of chop this thing up does that make sense yeah Yep. Okay, let me put you on hold, and Bob will get some information, and we'll have our mortgage person reach out to you next week. You listen to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. I'm going to stay in studio. We've got lines that are filled up and uh, one line open here. So give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, but we're getting ready to, to go off the air here. We don't have a choice on that, Chris. No. Nope. But, uh, you know, they're going to hard stop us here in about 49 seconds, it looks like. 
So we'll kill some time till then. How's that sound? <laughs> click, click, <laughs> click, click, exactly. right? All right. So, hey, well, uh, everybody happy, you know, happy sprinter here. You know, spring and springer and winter all combined. Look out for the snow that's supposed to be coming in next week. It's going to be fun. Yeah, uh, so for Bob in the back, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Saturday. We'll actually have a guest appearance next Saturday. One of our advisors in the office, Dina Arnett, for another oh, okay. session of Making Money Sense. So have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm out there, and maybe we'll all be building some snowmen early next week. All right. All right.